We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Kansas City Chiefs are back in primetime, and it's almost bowl season for college football. I have everything you need to know right here on The Best of Everything. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. This is the best everything presented by Charlie Hustle. I am your host, Michaela Bennett, and I am wearing Charlie Hustle gear from Kansas City Sports Network. We have our own merchandise now with Charlie Hustle. So soft, so amazing, so cozy. Great Christmas presents. Check them out. But the Chiefs are back in action in primetime this weekend. And before we get to that, we have a lot to talk about from last week and college football. Last week, the win against the Jaguars, it may not have been the prettiest with the turnovers, but the offense was clicking pretty well whenever they were keeping the ball. And on the breakdown this week, they sat down to talk about just that. They have the offense and defensive breakdowns. You can check out both of them. But on the offense this week, they talked about Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown, is one of the best bets you can make and call it Aaron NFL because the ball almost always goes to Travis Kelsey for a touchdown in a Chiefs game. But it had been a few weeks since Kelsey had seen the end zone. And that's because most teams are kind of trying to shut him down now. Thankfully, the Chiefs have enough offensive weapons that they can go to other guys like Juju and Valdez Scantling and now Kadarius Toney. But Travis Kelsey did get back in the end zone this week. And on the breakdown, they talked about just that. Next time in the red zone, we saw some more zone coverage. And again, teams keen on Kelsey. We get, there's a lot of questions. Oh, Kelsey hasn't scored since he had those four touchdowns against the Raiders. What's going on? Well, right. teams are trying to eliminate him from the equation as much as possible and force these other guys to beat them, which has created opportunities. What do you see here? This is great. I mean, it's a true cover four beater. And by that, I mean, it's quarter, quarter, quarter across the board. And they try to go with a three-man rush here. So get an extra defender. You can see the defensive lineman down here at the bottom. He, he's going to come out of the pass rush and be an extra pass defender. But as you see it, 
Kelsey's in a cut split. He's going to take two with that post route that he's running. Noah Gray comes off his wake. He goes with the out route, but he runs the wheel. And because Kelsey, he, everybody has to take him into account, especially in this area, he takes two. The corner really should have his eyes outside and be able to fall off on this wheel. But because that's Travis Kelsey, Noah does a good job of being patient, not giving it away, gets that defender to turn his head, goes down the sideline on the wheel. And the protection here, once again, for Patrick Mahomes is – is outstanding you talked about it in the previous play but wait until you see the pocket here i mean it's three-man rush he's able to sit in that pocket comfortably and deliver the ball in the back of the end zone it was great play design built to beat cover four and it is exactly how they drew it up i'm sure when they were in meetings and then the offensive line and everybody else did the rest and you gotta love the pump fake from mahomes too to freeze those defenders because josh allen is you know, he, he runs out there with Gray, but as soon as he sees that pump fake from Patrick, he's, you know, obviously he's he's more of a pass rusher. He's not really comfortable being in space. So Mahomes right. gives him something to bite on. He bites, and that's why you see Gray get that wide open. And um, it was it was beautiful job by Mahomes again. Um, and it's funny because you saw this, okay, they're paying so much attention to Travis Kelsey in the red zone. Of course, the next time they come down, they finally don't double Kelsey, and guess who scores the touchdown to, to end uh, that drought? So. <laughs> I'm guessing Travis Kelsey did. <laughs> yeah, you. that's the thing is you always have to take into account Travis Kelsey, but at the same time, they have so many different weapons and so many different aspects of this this offensive unit at the wide receiver and tight end position that any of these guys can show up on any given Sunday and be the featured guy because of that reason. If they want to double Travis Kelsey, guess what? It's going to give different opportunities for everybody else on the team. And we saw that throughout the course of this game. I mean, 10 different receivers were targeted in this game by Patrick Mahomes, which is an insane number of different wide receivers to target and tight ends. And as we saw with the previous game, you also have to account for his legs. So because if you if you take everything away, he'll just take off on you. And, and we saw we've seen how dangerous he can be there. So this this offense is just so multifaceted, and they can beat you in so many different ways. It's it, it has to give defensive coordinators nightmares. Oh, 100%. If you're sitting down, breaking down the film, you're saying he can beat you with the arms, the route concept, the speed to get to the perimeter on all the different stuff that they do with the jet sweep, the shovel passes, those things, the slip screen, the quick game. Then you take into account Pacheco last week, the way that he was able to run the ball. If all of a sudden they create balance there, the play action pass, and then Mahomes, you saw it through early in this game too, of him taking off, getting first downs, hurting them with their their his legs. He's so dangerous. This offense is so dangerous. They have so many weapons weapons in this offensive line is playing well. I mean, that's the reason why they're the number one ranked offense in the league right now. The Chiefs are the number one offense in the NFL right now, and they deserve it. Their offense, a lot of people had questions going into this year. Losing Tyreek Hill, what is the offense going to look like? What is the wide receiver room going to look like? What is going to happen? And Patrick Mahomes has stepped up. And the rest of the team has stepped up and it is a full cohesive look right now. But not only are they the number one offensive team in the NFL, they have the number one seed in the AFC. With the Buffaloes lost last week, the Chiefs now hold the number one seed and home field advantage if they keep it the rest of the way. And on five burning questions this week, BJ Kissel sat down with Nate Taylor to talk about just that. And if the Chiefs can remain the number one seed heading into postseason play, we all know what that means. And the home field advantage is huge. 
but there might be some teams or some hurdles to go over before we get there. So Nate and BJ talk about if they really think that the Chiefs can maintain and hold on to this number one seed the rest of the regular season. Uh, Chiefs, obviously, after the Bills lost and their victory, have the number one seed in the AFC. Looking at the schedule that the Chiefs have coming up, first burning question I've got for you, do the Chiefs relinquish at any point throughout the race, rest of the regular season their number one seed status in the AFC? Mm, that is, that's, a, that's a fascinating question, BJ, because I predicted um, last week in the Athletic that, once again, the Chiefs will host the AFC Championship game Obviously, the easiest path to do that is to maintain the number one seed. Um, this question actually kind of pulls you into Sunday's game against the Los Angeles Chargers, right? If the Chiefs lose, they could at least give some ground. Uh, you know, perhaps the Miami Dolphins, who have three losses, could have more wins just based on the way the schedule's worked out so far. Um, but I want to say no, BJ, because I think the Chiefs will win. Sunday in Los Angeles, which will give them uh, another just march down to the rest of the season. Um, you know, I think they'll beat the Rams. I think they'll beat the Seahawks. I think they'll be just fine with the Broncos and the Houston Texans. Um, the most interesting game past Sunday is against the Cincinnati Bengals because that team's been kind of uh, going through their own roller coaster as the, you know, defending AFC champions. So, I want to say yes, just because Patrick Mahomes is playing at an MVP level. Uh, Kadarius Tony has fit the offense seamlessly uh, in a surprisingly quick manner, um, and the defense is coming along just fine. You know, I you know this is one of the rare times, BJ, where I predicted a 27-17 game, and the defense held them to 17 points. It was kind of you know miraculous based on those who are asked to pontificate and pronosticate. So I think um, I think the answer is yes because. Outside of the Miami Dolphins just staying on an absolute tear offensively, I think the Chiefs are the team you should rely most to maintain the one seed. Well, there have been some expectations from other teams that um, haven't really lived up to their hype, the Cincinnati Bengals and some other teams in the AFC that it was kind of a weird season for them. But another team in Kansas City Sports Network that has lived up to everything and more is the Kansas Jayhawks, the football Kansas Jayhawks, that is. And on Booth Review this week, Kent Swatson sat down with former Jayhawk Carter Stanley to talk about a lot of things, but most importantly, the Jayhawks now. And Carter says, of course, if and when, actually when, when the Jayhawks go to a bowl game. Carter will be there. Absolutely. You know, it's been a long time coming for the Jayhawks. And Carter talks about how it's kind of evolved from whenever he was there and what it means to him as an alum to see the team doing so well this year. Dude, it, it's it's great to have you back. A lot's changed since the last time that we talked, right? Like, I mean, this this team has exceeded a lot of people's expectations you, you're a recent alum. You've been a part of that program very recently. What's it been like to see this team get to bowl eligibility and already have six wins under the belt through 10 games? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Obviously, you know, I think last time I was on, it was maybe right before the season started. But, um, you know, if you told me we'd be six and four at this point, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if I believe you, but 
it's, uh, it's been incredible. And, uh, you know, being able to watch them any given Saturday and, and know they obviously have a legitimate chance to win. And, you know, at this point, more likely to win than lose. So it's uh, it's been awesome. All right. So um, I, ha- I have a college background. Um, you know, I, I played football and baseball in college. So it's not necessarily the same because it's a lot higher stakes, you know, at, at, at KU. But I just I was part of a baseball team in college weren't particularly great but our coach always kind of thanked us for being part of that foundation of building a program they went on to 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 bigger things you're kind of in that boat when it comes to kansas football where you guys didn't necessarily have the same kind of success that maybe they are to this point but you were one of those foundational pieces that kind of helped continue to build you know kind of build upon i think you're I think your last year was one of the brighter spots of the last decade for this football team. So what kind of pride do you feel about being part of the foundation towards, and I know, I know the coaching staffs were different and everything, but you, you were, you were, you were there with some of these guys. You, you were, you were a, a leader for, you know, a recent version of this football team. How does it feel to kind of be part of, of the foundation that wound up leading to these moments here? Yeah, you know, it, it definitely is cool. Um, you know, I'd say the coolest thing for me is seeing the guys that were like true freshmen when I was there in uh, 2019 and seeing how, how far they've come, like just to throw out some names, Kenny Logan, Mason Fairchild, Earl Bostick, Sam Burt, you know, a, a number of those guys. And just been so cool to see them, um, you know, how far they've come in, in these last couple of years. And you know, a lot of those guys are now either team captains or, you know, leading in some sort of statistical category. So, yeah, it's been awesome just to see those guys stick it out and, you know, their uh, their success is showing right now. Yeah. And I, it's it's just I, I know there's probably a lot of pride getting to see, you know, some of those guys that you previously played with, but also just getting to see the growth of this program over the last couple of years and just getting to see uh, this team. Are, are you going to the bowl game? Like, is that something in the, in the cards for you? Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, just waiting to see where it is, but I'll, I'll definitely be going to the bowl game. You're in Florida though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping we can somehow make it to the cheese at bowl. <laughs> uh, Cause man, I, I tell you what, I'd probably tailgate that for a week, but um, <laughs> it's like, just over an hour away from where I'm at right now. And um, no, regardless of where they go, I'm, I'm going for sure. Speaking of bowl games, K-State, where are they going to go? On three mile this week, the guys talked about, it looks like it's looking like it's going to be the Sugar Bowl. And if K-State and both TCU went out, what is going to happen for K-State Wildcats? What bowl game are they going to go to? What is going to happen with conference, et cetera? And what happens if multiple teams went out? What what a 10 win team right now or a nine win team by the Wildcats? You know, is this a good season? What are fans really thinking right now? But on three mile this week, they talked about the possibility of the Wildcats going to the Sugar Bowl and would they be happy seeing that? Did we did we talk about last time the implications of like K-State and TCU both winning out? That that this the Sugar Bowl scenario becomes basically a guarantee for K State at that point. If both TCU and K State went out, this I point don't in time. know that. I don't know that we discussed it, but yeah, if Kansas basically Kansas State, all they have to do is win out. Yeah, it didn't and or I guess because you, you need TCU to win out too. I get that because they have to be in the playoff. But yeah, if they both went out, then Kansas State's sitting there and going to play in the Sugar Bowl no matter what. 
And yep. interestingly enough, the the SEC example on the other side is basically the same thing for LSU. Like they're likely going to be in the Sugar Bowl no matter what. Yeah, and in, in eleven days from now, we're recording this on Wednesday. K State will, if if they want go two and zero and TCU goes two and zero, K State will know that they're going to the Sugar Bowl, essentially. I mean, that's that's going to be locked in no matter what happens. The Big Twelve Championship at that point, assuming TCU also goes two and zero, because there's it's hard to fathom TCU, you know, not losing a game and falling out of the playoff at this point. And so that that is what would occur. And uh, I, I tell you, it. it the Big 12 championship is still a huge deal, but it, it, it's nice to have that fallback of potentially going to the Sugar Bowl, even if you drop that that Big 12 title game, right? Because the relevancy factor is still there. You're not getting dumped down to an Alamo Bowl again, like we've seen with K-State in the past, which is still too soon to bring up. So I shouldn't have done that, but you know that that's a nice benefit. So if you're a K-State fan, cheer on TCU the next two games. They've got, I think they're, they're at Baylor this weekend, right? So... You know, if they get by that one, then I think they've got what is it, Iowa State? Yeah, they finish, and, uh, finish with Iowa State, yeah. And Fort Worth, so they they should be okay to, you know, get to undefeated mark if they can get past this weekend, and then you know, K State go two and zero, baby. There's two big weeks right here. Obviously, that Sugar Bowl would obviously have a tough opponent. It would, you know, hypothetically speaking, if they get there, it's likely LSU at this point. It's what it looks to be, unless you know, a lot of unrest and chaos were, were to happen and obviously they played LSU in the bowl game last year so it'd be two years in a row against LSU in a bowl game if that were to come to fruition it, it would is interesting it's because under this premise they're saying maybe you lose in the big 12 championship game you still have a shot at a 10th win because if we went out you get nine wins so getting that 10th win I think would be substantial for the program Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you about some of these strange tall boys of beer that you might see in the bottled water section of your favorite store. Well, it's not actually beer. It's a liquid mountain spring water company from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And you might be wondering, Tucker, why is it called Liquid Death? Well, let me tell you, it's because... They'll brutally murder your thirst. That's right. Not only are they going to brutally murder your thirst, they are going to brutally murder plastic pollution in the process. It's wonderful with their infinitely recyclable aluminum cans. They also donate 10% of their proceeds from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. It's great. They've got four flavors. They have regular sparkling water. They've got still water, which is the mountain spring water. And they have uh, mango. They have... Uh, berry flavored and they also have the one i like here the severed lime i'm gonna go ahead and crack it on open and you can get a liquid death at your local target walmart 7-eleven or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store located tool at liquiddeath.com slash kcsn that's liquiddeath.com slash kcsn we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, a little bit of a different story at the University of Missouri and on Mizzou, that's who. Maggie asked a great question. Is this going to be one of the last few games that we see Brady Cook in a Tigers uniform? It's a great question. And they talk about if Mizzou can beat Arkansas on the Friday after Thanksgiving, what is what is that game going to look like? But there's a lot of questions of, is Brady Cook going to continue with the Tigers? And is he going to play in a bowl game? If he transfers, what does that mean? And what does it look like for the Tigers going forward? Go Do we think that we can beat Arkansas for in that game? I mean, they can. Arkansas is not great, but I did just see... KJ Jefferson is is expected to play this weekend against Ole Miss. He did not play last weekend. Right. Like but, and they played pretty well. I mean, yeah, their defense played well. Right, defense played well. It's I mean, yeah, it's it's not like an unwinnable game. Arkansas is going to come in here five and six. Like one, I think I said today, one of those teams is going to one of those good bowls, and one of those teams is hoping for the APR exception. Is it the last game we ever see Brady Cook? play quarterback for Mizzou? Well, I mean, bowl game. He'll start a bowl game, right? Well, what if he transfers? He won't. I doubt he transfers before. Uh, Because Bazelak waited, right? Bazelak waited, but the transfer thing was different last year. I mean, the transfer portal does open on December 5th. And if you want a spot, a lot of guys might be saying, I, I will be interested to see, though, if if Missouri gets to a bowl game, and I'm not even talking about Brady, I'll be interested to see, because I, I think the big story this week with this football team, and this is kind of what I was talking about this morning, is how many of these defensive guys are back next year? Because mm-hmm. I think everybody's just saying, well, we fixed the defense, so now next year, just got to fix the offense. But this defense has a chance to look way different next year. So... I'm interested to see in a bowl game, like is Darius Robinson playing? Is JC Carlisle playing? Right. Is are some of these guys playing? You know, because that'll be pretty indicative, I think, of because if you're coming back next year, you're gonna play the bowl game. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that might be kind of our first idea of okay, well, here's here's what this team's gonna look like next year. Defensively. It's gonna be interesting to see too if Drinkwoods talks like, you know, like a Tyron Hopper out of playing. Uh for his future or uh Isaiah McGuire, maybe you're gonna go to the draft. Hey, don't yeah. play in this bull game. Um, that could be very interesting to see. At this point, I don't think Eli Drinkwood should be doing that. 
uh, he needs to win a couple bowl games. He needs to. He, to have he should certainly. Success. It should not be his idea this time around. I mean, yes. if, if Isaiah McGuire comes to you and says, "Yo, coach, I'm not going to play this game," uh, hey, that's that's for fine. sure. He um, should not go to. Them, yeah, so. you do not go to your best players and say, "Yeah, all right, we're good." Well, looking ahead going forward this week, the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles, and it has been moved to primetime Sunday night game. And the Chiefs just released what their uniforms are going to be this weekend. All white. And that it, it looks mm, so clean, so crisp, so nice. I'm a huge fan of that. But on Outside the Trenches this week, BJ and Tucker talked about what the offense needs to do against the AFC West opponent, the Chargers. And BJ really says, you know, Eric Bannemi kind of says, to get better at running the ball, you got to run the ball. And that's what the Chiefs are expected to do this week. But, you know, the Chargers are kind of beat up. They have a lot of injuries. And the Chiefs should really take advantage of that. This is a big game to try some new things, but BJ and Tucker talk about what the offensive needs to do to beat Justin Herbert and the Chargers. If there's an opportunity, and I'm I'm kind of combining things, I'm combining the obvious, all of the injuries for the Chargers, and what Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy said a couple of weeks ago with you can't get better at the running game unless you run the damn football. He didn't say damn, and I'm paraphrasing it, but that's basically what he said. You can't get better at it unless you go do it. If there's an opportunity for the Chiefs to go run the football and to try to get right with the Chiefs running game and those guys up front in the offensive line, this could be a game where the message all week is, hey, big boys, like up front, like we're going to get after it with you guys um, on this turf field, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but we're going to run the ball down their throat because we're talking about second, third string guys in some cases outside of Cleo Mack, they're going to be out there. They're signing guys off practice squads from the Browns who are probably going to play in right. this game. Maybe that means they're just going to get Patrick Mahomes more time to throw the ball. The first matchup wasn't like they were lighting it up statistically. Travis Kelsey was the leading receiver with five catches for 51 yards. And that was when they were fully healthy, obviously, but this could be a game where the chiefs running backs in that running room really gets it going, which is why it's interesting that they were, talking and the media was asking about the running back situation. I could see that happening this week, Tuck. Absolutely. And I, and I kind of talked about this a little bit with Ryan Tracy on, on KCS and update for Thursday. What, what are the, what's the, what's the chargers defense going to do? I mean, they have Derwin, Derwin James. Do they bring him up to try to stop the run? Once they bring him up to try to stop the run, mm -hmm. it's over at that point. Uh, and then you also have to factor Canarius Tony into this whole thing of like, okay, yeah. how does he get into Canarius Tony? Who's going to cover Travis Kelsey? There's a lot that I don't think that the Chargers defense can cover, right? Offensive scheming, offensive like game playing is about putting defenses in conflict. There's going to be a lot of conflict, I think, uh, for this Chargers defense when you talk about the backups, backups playing on their defensive line. I do think the Chiefs really do need to assert their dominance and run the ball um, and just kind of uh, run right is what uh, I know that the... the, the <laughs> Uh, the Titans say that a lot. Run right, run left was with Taylor Lewan, but um, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see too. Andrew Wiley dealing with that elbow issue. Is he going to come back? Who's going to play? Prince played very well in his absence. Uh, Prince take mm -hmm. a go. So um, be interested to see kind of how uh, he develops. Looking at the injury report um, from there, uh, Andrew Wiley was a full participant. So on on Wednesday, which is a good sign on a Wednesday practice being a full participant. Andy Reid said yeah. he had a brace on. Um, so I think yeah. that's going to be a big factor in, in kind of how they play. They should. I we say this with 
asterisk around it, right? And make it an italic. I'm saying this in italics. They should run the football. We all know once we expect the Chiefs to run the football, they probably won't. It, it could be one of those games where they get up like 24 nothing, right? 24 nothing early, and then they try to run the football. Andy Reid takes takes foot off the gas, run the football a little bit that way. I think that would be how I would like to see this game. Well, Tucker and BJ definitely think that the Chiefs need to run the dang ball this week. But on KC Lab, Kent, Craig, and Matt talk about the defense and rushing the quarterback. And this could be a game of Chris Jones. Um, you know, we we love to rush the quarterback, and Justin Herbert is very quick at getting the ball out. But with the offensive line injuries by the Chargers, this could be one of those games where Herbert is on his back a lot because of the sacks, the hurries, whatever it may be. But on Casey Lab this week, they talk about the advantages that the defense has and what they can do with the injuries that the Chargers have on offense. I think that the Chiefs should have plenty of success rushing the passer. Now, Justin Herbert's going to get the ball out quick. Again, you know, short passing game, ball's coming out quick. I still think there's going to be plenty of pressure from the four-man rush. Steve Spagnuolo is going to blitz. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know that we're going to see as much this week just because that offensive line is really, really weak, and I think the four-man rush can actually get home, especially with Frank Clark back in action. Well, and here's an interesting tidbit. Um, Sawyer playing left tackle apparently in 250, 200, almost just under 300 uh, passing reps hasn't given up a sack yet. No, this PFS stats take it for what you will. Justin Herbert's really good at avoiding sacks because the ball's out quick. He's athletic. I agree. When I watch them, it looks like they're protecting Justin Herbert from death from his tackles. I think they've even actually come out and said, like, you know, eh, we don't really have time to do a lot of stuff right now because of their offensive tackle situation. So. I do think that is part of it. Um, I It will be interesting. It'll be a good challenge for the Chiefs defensive ends because we talk about this numerous times every year. When they come up to a matchup that they should win, sometimes they don't do it. Like, right? There's a lot mm-hmm. of times we say this about a matchup and the Chiefs defensive, the defensive line kind of comes out and sputters. Look no further than the AFC championship game last year when everybody was beating the Bengals like a drum <sighs> and the Chiefs got pressure like three times it felt like <laughs> without blitzing, right? So... This is a matchup they should be able to dominate like that. I think I think it's key to get that pressure with four or at least disrupt Herbert, who does like mm-hmm. to operate on time, who does like to operate in this very specific set programmed like uh, checklist. Because if you have to blitz, guess who's really good at seeing where you're blitzing from and putting the ball behind it? Justin Herbert. So not having to bring Snead, not having to bring your backers, and instead getting pressure or disruption with four is important. I think they should be able to get it, but I, you know, we've done this song and dance before. No, final note, Zion Johnson may have done a great job against Chris Jones in the first half. I've watched him since, and he's been beaten like a drum more than one occasion. <laughs> I, I hope that somebody, you know, put Chris Jones back over, just let it go again. Maybe it's just the perfect anti-Jones matchup because he's so short and squatty and grabby, and Jones likes to play so high with his swim moves. Maybe it is just a bad matchup for him, but try it again. I've seen Zion Johnson collect a lot of holding penalties this year, so I want to see Chris get another crack at him. Yeah, and I I think this is, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be the player to watch for you guys, but I do think this is a Chris Jones game for sure. Well, Casey Lavatory definitely has a lot of opinions on what this game is going to look like, and 
The Chiefs have been a little bit inconsistent as to what team comes out every single week. Now, if it is the Chiefs team that we all love, it is going to be an explosive offense, early lead, take the game, and then start running the ball, take time off the clock. But we'll see which team shows up. It is Sunday night in Los Angeles, and we will have a post-game show right here on Kansas City Sports Network. But I will have everything that you need to know again next week right here on The Best Writing presented by Charlie Hustle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.